Gaming Geeks 178. I'm here with uh, my friend Perla, friend of the show, uh, newly on the show. Uh, you just attended a David Lynch film festival run by Sif. Perla, how are you? Uh, warm. Not going to. Just a little <laughs> warm, but I'm not warm as other states. Um, yes. Please take care of yourself. If you're listening to this in one of those heat dome states, drink a lot of water. Check on your neighbors. If you see someone working outside, hand them a Gatorade. But other than that, I'm doing okay. It's uh, the sun is setting, which is my favorite part of the day. And we're both Seattleites. Not many of us have AC installed here. So oh, uh, I I'm do. sweating I mean... it out. I do oh, not. No. <laughs> I'm sweating this one out. Um, <laughs> I uh, I invested in air conditioning for my apartment back in Portland, Oregon, where I used to live before I moved mm. to Seattle back in 2015. My friends laughed at me. Well, who's laughing now? I get to go to bed with a blanket. So, yes, um, invest in air conditioning. It's the best thing you can do. I'm so glad you agreed to come on because you say that you're, you know, on a, quite a few podcasts and that you are like the, uh, maybe the ideal guest, like you don't want to host your own, but you're, no. you're willing to jump in. Yes. I'm always willing to jump into any podcast. I I have been named by James Adomian, a professional podcast guest, and that <laughs> is because I am very lazy and I am nervous as well. So when you put a lazy person with the complex of a nervous person, because you don't want... You know, I have Carrie's mom living in my head because mm. uh, that was my mother, <laughs> religious and sure. crazy. All right, yeah. hey, mom, I love you. She's going to haunt me tonight because I said that. I'm not kidding. Mm. Um, so I, I, I've I, planned out my own show. And then they're like, so when are you going to do your first episode? I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to release that? Nah, it's okay. I'll, I'm going to ditch podcast school. I'll see y'all later. Did you record one? Uh, did you just hold it? I did my introduction. Mm. and my uh, my sheet as it's called and my explanation <laughs> of what the podcast I wanted it to be on and you'd think I'd strike while the iron is hot because it's a current subject mm. and then when the uh my mentor was like so you're ready to release your first episode I'm like oh no no mm -mm, no I'm okay uh so, so what other shows have you been on here Oh, I've been on so many. I was on my favorite one that I've done recently was um, Happily Unever After, uh, just recently ended. And it was just where you got to, you know, be on a show about a movie. Mm -hmm. Like my episode with Selena. And I got to describe like when was the meet cute and how do you think the movie would end? And, you know, spoiler alert, Selena dies is her biopic. It's one of the top five bio movies. And I, you know, just would have said had Yolanda just killed herself, she'd probably be as big as Beyonce right now. I mean, she Taylor Swift just sold out, your, you know, Lumen two nights in a row. She'd be in that, you know, yeah. spectacular world of stardom. But yeah, I um, I just I just love talking to people. And mm. David Lynch is one of my favorite directors. And uh, how I met you was you picked me up from the heat because I was not doing well. It was a very oh, warm day yeah. outside with my big hat. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a lift. And uh, you saw me putting my badge on in the back seat, and you're like, mm. oh, what's that? And I was just like, oh, I'm going to the Sif Film Festival, Dreams and Nightmares, the films of David Lynch filmography, and I'm off to see Elephant Man. And that's how we started, and that's how we ended up here. So, And I was saying, well, yes, I have this website, The Twin Geeks. I mean, obviously, we're very invested in the career of Lynch. It's like something yes. that we had like hanging over us, I think, for our first hundred episodes, like oh what what are we doing are we going to do every lynch um now that we've done so much else i think i'm open to the idea 
Um, you could you could do your own podcast on his weather reports. I mean, every time he <laughs> yes before he used to be on Twitter, he used to be like big announcement tomorrow, and the internet would get pregnant. <laughs> it was like Twin Peaks season three is coming out. No, he's going to make another movie. No, he's going to do this or Laura Dern's you know moving in. Something crazy was always happening with Lynch, and then he was like, I'm going to continue doing the weather report because today is Friday. <laughs> yes, and <he's>... so. <laughs> He said it's uh, sunny in California. You better wear shades is his big announcement of right. his comeback. And, and yeah, light a cigarette, you know, smoke those American spirits and then just really just get he really I remember that night when he said I have a big announcement coming. Mm. Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> rest in peace. Um, Instagram, my phone was so just just bombarded with did you hear about david lynch did you hear about david lynch and i'm just like <laughs> i don't know i don't want to i was also like one of those people that just stayed home during the pandemic mm-hmm. so i was either drunk or high or a combination of both because i'm like well if i if i'm these two i'll never leave my house which which worked yeah. i no, i stayed home um and so i remember waking up super early during the, early for me to watch the special announcements and it was <laughs> I'm going to continue <laughs> doing the weather report. And I was just like, damn you, David Lynch. Damn you. But Isn't it what you want, though? Like, isn't I that did. like the good David Lynch troll move for the internet? Yeah, it is. I I was expecting him to show his like Woody Woodpeckers, something yeah, like that. Right. But <laughs> nothing. And, or, you know, I was just like, you know what? For, for Lynch, this is tame. And this is about as, as much as I could process because it was just a crazy time. I think it was I think it was the summer, of, late summer of 2020 when he pulled that stunt. And <laughs> when everyone was bored and and needed Lynchian content in their yeah, lives, I mean, yeah, I, I watched Safe by. I had a COVID scare um, early October, and it was one of those where it was before the vaccine, so it was October twenty twenty. So I start feeling ill, and you know, you go and take the COVID test, which mm-hmm. I always tell people, waxing your nose is ten times easier than the old COVID test. And if you're yes. a woman, ladies, it's like a bikini wax. You just go in and get it done and walk out. Mm-hmm. Um, to, sorry to, to all, you know, anyone who's ever had like, you know, lady landscaping or people who identify as ladies that need to, you know, get the kitten, you know, trimmed up. Mm-hmm. It's painful. A COVID test, walk in the park. So I was told you have to sequester yourself from everyone in your home. So I got locked up in my room and I started watching... Um, Safe by Todd Haynes. And that was a terrible movie to watch, but very also beautiful at the same time. Um, Todd Haynes could definitely fall into the David Lynch school about a woman in trouble, a woman in peril. And just Julianne Moore is Todd Haynes' muse, is, you know, Laura Dern mm. and Isabella Rossellini. Those are his muse, Lynch's muses. So it was really nice to see that pairing develop because then he went and did Far From Heaven with Julianne Moore. He's doing a new one with Julianne Moore where she plays Mary Kay Letourneau, but not Mary Kay Letourneau. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 It's a, it was, it was good pairing. Yeah. Yeah. I I just love it. So then I watched that in a bunch of seventies horror movies until uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then I stopped when the woman went on the hook and then I'm like, well, that's it for me. I'm going to watch some Bob's Burgers <laughs> and go to bed and hopefully my test comes back negative. Which... You know, the more we talk, I think we are into the same things. These are I... my things. Haynesian films, Lynchian, oh, 74. I... Okay, not to brag, but I am going to brag. I did yes. get to go see a special screening of Carol and Todd Haynes. You did? Yes. Okay. Before it was released, uh, I felt so um, important. Because I was sitting next to editors that I've flown 
phone in from New York and like, how'd you get cool. in? Like, I was invited, you know, <laughs> I pulled that yeah. stunt. Like, why are you here? You're in my city, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and <laughs> yes. I went and asked Todd Haynes, you know, I admire your work. I think you're, you know, Velvet Under uh, Velvet Gold Mine is still one of my favorite, like, homoerotic movie that's ever been released. Mm. And so I mentioned him in Carol. Like, how did you time your music to have the coloring and the dialogue and the camera panning? How did you do that final scene with, you know, just the, the you can just feel this warmth and they're happy and that's why the room is gold. And and I kind of just went full cinephile on him, but in a good way, because he appreciated that question and said, mm -hmm. my my whole crew helped me create this world and that final climax at the end is is what we wanted. And you're right, gold is happy. And so that's why we wanted that. So I was able to shake his hand because he, you know, made sure to come talk to me. And oh. I just said, hey, by the way, um, thanks for putting Christian Bale in lipstick. That is like my favorite part <laughs> of that movie. And he just yes. blushed. And oh. he was just like, oh, thank you. And I was just like, you're welcome. I love you. <laughs> you know, the great so. thing about this is the longer we talk, the more episodes I see we can do. I mean, like, oh, safe. Yeah. Carol, yeah, exactly. these are episodes like, of this yeah, show. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think I warned you, like, don't invite me on your podcast because I will, like, just talk. And that's um, what I want, yeah. And you say you're the den mother of podcasts. That's I am the den nice mother to the Action Boys. I'll probably plug this over there at our Reddits. Cool. Um, are the Action Boys with a Z. It's uh, three comedians, John Gabris, Ben Rogers, and Ryan Stanger. They cover mm. movies from the... 70s 80s and 90s and i grew up in a very uh traditional mexican home where action movies were for boys so i would get sent home uh i would get sent to my room with an rl stein christopher pike young you know ya smut not you know pulp novel um and while my dad watched roadhouse and iron eagle and all kinds of just action movies all the van yeah. dance and so I didn't watch, I didn't start watching these until recently, actually, when mm. I started listening to this podcast five years ago. And same thing with horror. Um, I got into horror during the pandemic because what else is a better way to like let out your demons than watching a demon? Um, I grew up in a Jehovah's Witness household. So horror movies were, that was the way you open the door to the devil. So I wasn't allowed to see those <laughs> movies. Uh, like Possession, yeah. not a good movie to watch when you're going through a divorce. Great movie no. to watch when you're out of the divorce. That's yes, a great yes. liberation. Uh, also, not a good time to watch it when we were about to go to nuclear war at the early of 2020. People seem to forget that in January. We almost went to, uh, we went to war. Um, and so I just really, um, I started watching a lot of Joe Bob Briggs because I've noticed if I approach horror from a mystery science theater 3000 slash education slash oh i'm learning more about movie making i can enjoy horror like i made it all through hellraiser one and two because i had joe bob there kind of guiding me with his phenomenal co-host darcy who loves mm. horror as you know she if she could have an honorary phd in horror <laughs> movies it would be her yeah and so um, but I can read Clive Barker. Like I just finished reading the books of blood and I was like, well, that was interesting. What an interesting man. Wow. You know, I got to go find more of his stuff. I so just, it's really... uh, I was just chatting with my friend who's doing the Joe Bob Briggs film festival. She's like a jury, like a judge for it. So uh, oh, that's I'm also so coming up soon. Yeah. I, I, I'm tempted to go to the Jamboree and I <laughs> also, 
afraid to go to the jamboree, if that makes sense. She's giving me um, details. It sounds amazing, but also it yes, is. I'm it's going to be at a drive-in, but it's also going to be Las Vegas in October. And I was oh. like, Egh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, there's also movies I'll like skip and just watch the Joe Bob because I'll be like, I don't need to see that. Like <laughs> Necromancer, that's not up my alley, and just I can't do that. Um, I just recently watched Anguish. Hmm. This early late 80s film with um, Zelda Fitzgerald is her name. Mm-hmm. And um, it is, I don't want to give it away, but this movie is such a gem that the scary part cool. of the movie when it was released isn't actually the scary part of the movie. It's when it breaks into reality. And then uh. you are like, oh, okay, now I'm scared. Now I'm really, really scared and I don't know what to do. And I'm in a theater help me you know i like that i like that kind of moment in a theater where you know you're stuck in and it it gets real and you're like oh fuck (laughs) yeah it got a real it was a real (laughs) moment of panic for me where my friends that i was with started to worry for me and Mm -hmm. they're just like are you okay i'm like i'm fine just uh we're just gonna finish this movie uh we're we're gonna um i'm gonna watch uh bob's burgers yep that's what i'm gonna do Uh, that is also yeah Yeah. yes yeah no you you are uh so it i mean how should i describe it i mean i remember discovering david lynch through my mother really my parents yeah my parents went and watched blue velvet of all movies (laughs) how'd that go for them Oh, they hated it. Um, yes, every time they would bring up like, "What's your favorite? What's your least favorite movie?" It was always Blue Velvet. She hated Frank <laughs> Booth. She thought Frank Booth was possessed. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. But they also went I for the it. wrong reasons because they went because of the Roy Orbison song. Because when Blue Velvet <laughs> was released, Roy Orbison yes. had just passed away. So a lot of <laughs> suburbanites is the best way to describe it. Went to go see this Roy Orbison song, and it's nothing it's it would be like it would be like going to see bambi for the hunter you know it's just right. not it's using you know, it to like slice in and cut up their culture in a way it's, yeah. yeah it's and, a cutting use of, of roy orbison but it's right. good. it's a yeah. good use it, and it's fantastic i think barry gifford in his book with uh, the author of wild at heart Mm. I mean, Lynchians probably know this already. Mm. Um, In the Sailor and Lula books, there's about nine of them. Uh, He at one point has Sailor go and see Blue Velvet. And Sailor comes back and tells Lula about watching Blue Velvet and what he experienced watching Blue Velvet. And I, when I met Barry Gifford, I asked him like, hey, in this part of the book, did you do that on purpose? Like, I know you've already, you know, established a relationship with Lynch. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, that was real. That was that was me processing what I watched. So when Lynch approached me that he wanted to do Wild at Heart, he was kind of nervous. Like, what are you going to do with my lovers? I mean, he loves the characters of Sailor and Lula. Like, those are his lovers. Mm-hmm. And so when he told him, like, no, I'm going to do it like this. And it's going to be like the Wizard of Oz. And, and he trusted him to take Sailor and Lula. And I mean, Lynch loves the character of Lula. His youngest daughter is named Lula. So, I mean, yeah. he, he very, you know, really trusted him, which is probably why they worked together again on Lost Highway, because they wrote the script for that. And how that came to be is, and again, another Sailor and Lula book, Lynch is reading it. And he says, Sailor and Lula are driving in the middle of the night. 
And Sailor asks, or Lula asks Sailor, like, how come we are always like running at night? Why don't we, Mm -hmm. you know, why don't we just like drive during the day? And Sailor just tells Lula, like, sometimes I just feel like I need to get lost in the highway, which Mm -hmm. when you watch the movie, notice how they only drive at night. It's never during the day. Yes. That's, that's kind of a great little callback. Um, I feel like I, just... uh, I watched Wizard of Oz also in prep for this because of uh, Lynch Oz. Lynch uh, Oz, yep. I you, watched. Did you see that at the festival? As well? I saw all the movies. You did, <laughs> including okay. including Dune, including Dune. Yeah. Was it all of his movies shown? Yes. Yes. Okay. Wow. Ex- yeah. It's um. I saw. Let me just go down the list because I have them. I made my my friend and I made little punch cards in our iPhone notes mm-hmm. because we are um insane. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. It's normal here. Maybe oh, it's okay. more normal than so in just no order whatsoever, just the way we punched them up. Mahalan mm-hmm. Drive, Dune. That was the final film I watched. The the straight story on 35 millimeter, Inland Empire 4K remaster, Wild at Heart, Lost Highway 4K remaster, Eraserhead 4K remaster, the short story, the short films, excluding rabbits because they're included in Inland Empire, mm-hmm. The Elephant Man 4K remaster, Blue Velvet 4K remaster. Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me 4K remaster. Incredible. And Lynch Oz. <laughs> I I like all of these movies, even Dune. I'm like, it's okay. It's like it's different than an approach anyone else did to their sci-fi uh major franchise, which just seems a little disinterested by Lynch, but but also I'm amused by what he did and and his career path with Dune. And he also had to step in for the Rogieski because that yeah. was the movie that was taken away from him. So like Dune, watching Rogieski's Dune and then watching Lynch's Dune, I you you really see Lynch just took the movie. He he he, he admits yeah. it in his book. He's like, I needed, to, I wanted to direct. This opportunity fell on me. I kind of changed it as much as I could, so it wasn't just straight up copying him. Because in Rogieski's Dune, you see how much George Lucas borrowed from him, how much Ridley Scott borrowed from him. So he did his best to not make it look like I'm copying somebody's homework, but he definitely was like, well, somebody built this, you know, the foundations of this house. So I'm just going to build a different style of house. Like give and it like, a remodel. Your rescue's doing, you also see like, yeah, like the foundation of alien and everything that would come in science fiction. It's like the, the most incredible movie never made. Oh, it uh, is. It's really sad that a NFT person bought one of those books. Really and sad. Borderline destroyed the book because he thought uh, he owned the copyright to Dune. Um, and I really hope someone buys it. Like I know Anton Corbin was in the chirping about wanting to take it away when that happened. But it I almost feel like there's so much I mean, we can't create it because a lot of the characters and actors that he wanted to have in that movie have passed away right but someone just needs to make that movie and (laughs) yes it's like even flash gordon like ripped from it and you're just Mm -hmm. like how did this happen i mean lynch is in dune which is great he plays one of the 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 miners for the spies and he that's like another thing he's like he's very hitchcockian he'll show up in his movies when he can yeah um but it's like an Inland Empire. My favorite scene is when Jeremy Irons is telling him to do the light. And I think his name is Dougie in the movie or or something very, with a D. Mm. And Lynch is screaming back at him. And those are genuine reactions that Jeremy Irons is giving because he doesn't know when to say cut. He can't say cut because yes. 
it's not him. But yet he's playing the director where he feels he needs to say cut. And so he just starts laughing with Harry Dean Stanton, where he's just like, no, bring the light, bring the light. And Lynch is screaming back at him, you know, just <laughs> trying to be difficult. And it's yeah. honestly one of like the cute moments in Inland Empire before things get real weird yeah yeah i mean things i mean it's it's a woman in trouble Mm -hmm. uh and there is just no better way to describe it than just that a lot of people left that theater real mad there was two movies that people left real mad and that was eraserhead and inland empire people were not oh boy yeah some people were watching that movie for the first time (laughs) oh no and i don't know how to tell them that they've made a mistake like, yeah, I was like, you're gonna this is the part of the nightmares. This is called dreams and nightmare. This mm-hmm. is the nightmare movie along with Inland Empire. This is another nightmare movie. Like, this is not your I met someone that that was going to be their first David Lynch film because they were a completist that way. I'm like, you're going to start with the razor head. Wow. OK, I don't think you're going to end up in Inland Empire. I think you're going to quit once this one's over. You're either becoming the biggest fan ever or you're quitting right after. It's yeah. there's like no two ways. And even <laughs> like a Dune, we're a, we're kind of friends with like Frank Herbert's family, like his granddaughter. And my wife like bartended with her way in another lifetime. But uh, they love the Dune movie. They are huge fans in the whole family. And I love hey. that about them. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, like I said, had I not seen Drogieski's Dune prior mm. to seeing Lynch's Dune, because it was kind of always hard to find. Yeah. And then there was like, Dune's one of those properties that's been done so many times. Like there was that sci-fi and the early aughts, the miniseries and others, mm. Veneers, Dune. So Dune has always just kind of, it's like our modern day Shakespeare is the best way to describe it. Someone's always going to do a version of it and they're going to do it different. But I think because of the drama surrounding Dune with Dreyeski and how David ended up with it, it just kind of made me not appreciate it, but yet still love it at the same time. Like, Sean right. Young is amazing in that movie. I'd also introduced Kyle to David, and Kyle's, a, one, again, an actor that appears a lot in his movies. He made mm-hmm. the character Dale Cooper specifically for Kyle. Yeah, so, it's an important step into twin. Yeah, peaks. so it's like it's almost like I always like to tease it. I'm like, it's probably like his first marriage. Like he didn't want to be in that situation, but mm. it's very similar to Eraserhead. Um, I'm also reading Makes his sense. book right now, uh, Room to Dream. Lot it's good. Of, I like yeah. the I like the book. I like the parts in Philadelphia and just how grounded he is. The stuff in Spokane too. He is connected to our area in some ways. Yeah. I'm also reading, listening to the audiobook too, because I'm noticing the the book and the audiobook are very different from each other. Are they? So I'll read the yeah, no, there's there's a lot more in the audiobook I've noticed. <laughs> okay, that's great. Um, is he reading it? Yeah, he reads it. So it reads the same way the chapter is. It's the biographer um writing the 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 book and doing the interviews, and then Lynch comes in and then he just they just let him loose, like in his art of life. They just you can actually at one point you hear him smoking. <laughs> like they just they just let him go yeah um but yeah i just like dune um i'm really excited for part two a lot of people don't like the the current dune and i'm just like i really like it i like villanovu too so yeah i, I just i just recently watched blade runner 2046 it he's such a good world builder you can't deny it and just he just does a good job and i've tried reading dune me it's, too I can't challenge. Get into I, it, it. Yeah, 
it's challenging, but then someone recently let me know that there's a new audiobook version and the author, the I'm sorry, the the voice, the voiceover actor does a really good job to pull you in. So I'm oh, gonna good. try that. I may um, have to as well, because I can't I I get like a you know, I got like a fourth through it before the last movie and I couldn't do it. Yeah, I you know how should I describe it? To people who finished Dune, I'm always like proud of them. Like, how did you do it? <laughs> yeah. Tell me. <laughs> Tell did me you how you modeled your Vietnamese life. Yeah. coffee and get yourself on a transatlantic flight where you couldn't leave. So you're stuck with your book. Like, how did you do this? But, you know, always it is. proud of them as well. Uh, yeah. I was just recently on a flight to Raleigh and I read the first hundred pages. And then by the time we landed, like, oh, we landed. Oh, I was supposed to sleep, wasn't I? Well, I'm just going to be up all day. So. <laughs> That that's I love that about books is they just in movies and podcast episodes mm. too they'll just like pull you in and I'm just totally just a just a person that's at their mercy like tell me when it tell me how it ends I don't want to I don't want to leave this world. What were your big takeaways from the SIFS uh, festival? The remasters are really beautiful. Eraserhead looked incredible. Elephant Man I hadn't seen since it was on VHS. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, and- a long time. Yeah, so this is like early 2000s. Mm. And then um, I really, I mean, Wild at Heart is one of my ultimate favorites. Lost Highway, I got to, I saw it last year during the, um, during the tour of the 4K release before the Criterion release happened. And it just, I'm so happy I got to experience Lost Highway the way it's supposed to be experienced, which is on this massive, gigantic screen. Um, mm. Met a lot of Lynch fans, which is great. Uh, there was a bar down the street from SIF that stopped carting me because they saw my badge and like, ah, you're fine. And I was just sure. like, what made you think I'm over 21 with, you know, they're like, any, no one under 25 is going to wear that badge. I'm going to let you know yeah, right now. Out of and the was, festival. Yeah. Yeah. And I was course. just like, okay, that tracks. Um, here's my old age, you know. And so I, I also, my dreams started to get really bizarre. I was in Lynchland for 15 yeah. days. Oh yeah. Um I I started to have these very interesting dreams where I was either being driven or I was This makes sense in the night. It, I hope. Yeah. Yes. No at dusk cuz dusk okay. is my favorite time. Um there was a lot of red, a lot of blues, a lot of looking over my shoulder in a car or I was like walking in dirt. Mm. A lot of unexplainable noises and then either like a version of Frank Booth would be near me, but I couldn't, he couldn't harm me. Mm. And a lot of like me not being able to like see like a curtain and I couldn't touch it. Like it was like forbidden. Oh, that makes sense. It's all adding up to me. (laughs) And I think I told you too. Oh, I dreamt that I was back at the Salus Lodge, which was the, you know, uh, Mm. the great Northern uh, I ended up having coffee there. And I think I described to you my $20 cup of coffee <laughs> Yes, on Twin Peaks Day. So they, you know, the city of North Bend and Salish have really embraced like, all right, we're, we're going to be capitalists. We're going to get our money. Mm-hmm. So they had a Twin Peaks brunch, which I went to. And it was very cold because um, it's in, you know, late February. Yeah. And so I went into the you know, restaurant and it's white linen tables and just very um, five star. And when you live on a budget and you don't do this, you know, the last time I think I ate a meal like that, I was like 
my fifth year wedding anniversary to my very bad marriage. Sure. So I went and had this really nice lunch and, and you ordered your agent, uh, agent Cooper coffee. Mm-hmm. So it's $20. You're like, why is this coffee $20? What like, could a $20 coffee be? Right. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah. So we just freshly, you know, grinded your beans and this is the coffee we made for you. And then they pres- give you the presentation of the things that you can add for your coffee, which was granulated sugar, raw granulated sugar. So the brown sugar, mm-hmm. freshly whipped cream, half and half, sh- freshly shaved chocolate, ch- uh, chocolate shavings. And then, um, and if you wanted to add an orange, you could have an orange. There was orange slices right there. So and it's like elaborate it's, in like, oh my gosh, display, it was like right? it's bougie, 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 bougie. Uh, my, that was like a $200 lunch, including tip. Um, cause oh, no. I, bought, I bought myself like a, a, it was like a gin gimlet, but they named it like mm. agent Cooper's dream or something like that. That's why you had to buy it. I, yeah, I just exactly. go to tweeds and get like a cherry pie. Myself. Yeah. I'm, tweeds is completely like blocked out you had to be like on a list and I didn't have that pool I was just like man I should just spend my money over here but they were great too because they have a lot of Twin Peaks merch and they Mm -hmm. actually had to go and get more because people just kept buying it so and then I had a beautiful view of the waterfall so I wasn't complaining just when the bill came I was like "Ah, you know I'm about to spend the equivalent of a Kate Spade purse on lunch but it's a very very pricey place but anyone could go view the waterfall too which is nice that there's yeah that ability it it was great to meet a bunch of twin peak fans as well like people who you saw you know with the the twin peaks the the mountain and the or like the one-eyed jack pin and they looked like bankers or moms (laughs) or you know, really young fans that are, you know, 18 and just like, yeah, I watched it on streaming. Like, oh, you sweet child. You're so lucky. There are I some to... young fans there. I feel I feel good about that. Yeah, I I met an 18 year old fan who just watched it um, during winter break and they watched it on Paramount Plus and just really liked the season. And they watched uh, season three. And my mm-hmm. first reaction was, what's your thought on episode eight? <laughs> what you think it will be very telling right what, <laughs> what did they think did they have uh, they a big said response it was, they said it was a movie that that was an episode that was a movie in an episode and i said good, good. response yes. and i told them Perfect. like you were probably a little too young but when that episode came out the actually the five-year anniversary of that episode being released happened while i was at lynch fest and just going back to my facebook memories and seeing me being so elated like oh we 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 got lynch's final movie like this show still has episodes i don't care this is amazing and just people either being real mad or being (laughs) real happy or really terrified because that episode is terrifying i think it's maybe my favorite television episode it's it has so much going on in it yeah, when when I tell people that are gonna when I meet people like, oh, we're gonna watch season episode or season three of Twin Peaks, I'm like, let me know when you get to episode eight. I'm gonna warn you right now. Once the nine inch nails appear, it's it's a nightmare from there on out. And do not hit stop, pause, don't go to the bathroom. Like you just sit down and watch this episode. You have to immerse um, I think, in it fully. Yeah. Um, I think you saw my pin too. I have a uh, La Senorita uh, mm. when she's holding Bob, the globe of Bob. I had I put that pin on my badge 
and that got a lot of love. Um, but I didn't realize that that was the anniversary would happen until somebody saw my badge and like, oh yeah, today's the anniversary. I'm like, of what? Oh, <laughs> of episode eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, and it- then in Lynch and, in yeah, and then in Lynch and Oz. There's this gentleman, I forget his name, but he talks about how every time he watched episode eight, bad things happened to him. Right. So like yeah. first his cat like just committed murder of this bird and there's just like <laughs> just blood everywhere. And then like this is post-election. Hmm. So people are already terrified. And then the next time he watched that episode, like his dad got very ill. So I mean, then wow. I just my final line is like he's like, and people should never watch that episode. Evil, evil, evil lives in that episode. And so I made sure to rewatch it on the anniversary. And sure. it, <laughs> I should have not had the two gin and tonics I had before I started watching this episode because that's when my r- dreams really took like a turn where I'm like, I don't. I, I would just wake up like, oh, I'm awake. Whew, I'm out of that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to, how's the dogs? All right. Well, I'm going to read this book so I can go back to sleep. But yeah, episode eight is, I always tell people like, that's his final movie. If he never makes anything ever again, like episode eight is how he went out. Mm. And it's, it's a good thing. I agree. And I think they could even screen it at a festival like this. It would be bold though. It's another thing. If you're walking into it and you don't know, then you're kind of fucked. Yeah, I mean, like I tell people, you will get nightmares. Like my ex-husband had a nightmare from that movie and he woke up mm-hmm. screaming, like bolted up, like vertigo style, like, oh, and I was just like, what? That scared you, rookie. You know, <laughs> I'm so jaded. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, I remember Criterion, um, when they had their podcast, they had a special episode and there was like the group that were like, oh my God, this is amazing. I love Lynch. This was before they had their relationship and partnership with Lynch. Mm-hmm. And then, or right around that time, I think it was very, very yeah. around the time that his movies started to get released. And then there were the people like, what the fuck was that? No, really? What the fuck was that? <laughs> like, there's an atomic bomb. And is that supposed to be your mom? And it's like, hey, okay, well, <laughs> you, you, not the the Abraham Lincoln got a light. That didn't scare you? Okay, well, we know where you're, what you're afraid of. Right. So, yeah. I, I, I remember one time I saw like a, a really funny meme and like Reddit. Twin Peaks read it. It was like the consensus of America. Episode eight. What the fuck was that? <laughs> it's really the dividing line between types of cinema fans and people like us that go all the way into Lynch and the people that are just like, oh, that's nice that you all have that. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what people felt about the Avengers. I'm not knocking Marvel or anything like that. Like I I just I was in college when those movies started to come out because I went to college as an adult and you pay attention when you're signing the check for a $400 textbook. Like you pay mm. attention. And so I was taken to um, Cinerama um, when I was up here visiting um, Seattle. And so my ticket said like superhero t-shirts encouraged. And I was like, all right, cool. So I wore a Selena shirt. Uh, people did not like think it was funny. Um, some people did. Oh. Um, shout out to my Latinas. Um, mm. But uh yeah, I was just like, I didn't know who half the characters were. I was like, is this a love story? What's what's going on? And then Thanos snapped his finger and everybody lost their mind. And I'm like, I feel like I walked into the wrong movie. Um, but yeah, I just um, I feel like episode eight was that moment when Thanos slapped his fingers. Like I tell people like this is episode eight. It's, it's going to either kill you or it's going to make you appreciate him. And if it kills you, I am so sorry but you just need to watch this. So 
I have a bad relationship with like the Marvel movies too, because I think I respond oppositely to how the audience seems to at these movies. And I'm very confused by it. Um, like my initial like viewing of Ant-Man was a very negative audience. So I decided that's my favorite Marvel movie. And <laughs> I don't know where that's leading me in this but, like universe. See, Ant-Man is like, I think there's that, that's another one where it like divides people. Like, well, that was the worst one or Captain Marvel. It's my Marvel, favorite. Which, I, I love Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen him. Honestly, okay. like I've just, I've seen like, I'll, I'm going to break down to you how many Marvel movies I've seen. And then you understand why, why I'm just like, I okay. Um, I saw the first Iron Man. I saw both Guardians of the Galaxies. Mm-hmm. I saw Black Panther because you had to go see Black Panther. I mean, like as a person yeah. of color, you're like, we're gonna go see Black Panther. Come on, we're of gonna course. go. Um, and then I saw the Thanos movie and then Endgame. Hmm. And that's it. And that's all that's my relationship with Marvel. Like I only I really... started watching them three years ago myself because I was just like, you know, the site was up and running for a few years. I'm like, what if I have to review these? I should just watch all of them. So I, I gave up and I now I've seen everything and I'm ready to review any movie. Um but I'm not passionate. <laughs> I don't I don't I mean, care. people that are, but... I'm really proud of them. Like people yeah. that are like in their that are you know my, my age demographic, you know, I'm in my early forties and you know, they they one a friend of mine said like you know when I was in middle school you know the same people that are you know, like lining up at Comic Con and lining up to go to the midnight screeners were the same dicks that kicked my ass for reading comic books in high school, right. and I get it. I'm yeah. like yeah man totally like being a nerd is cool I guess like at least mm. you have all the t-shirts you can imagine like that that's to me that's my joy is like thanks to the internet and somewhat popular culture that I'm associated with is like, I can get cool t-shirts now for T public. Like, yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Whatever you're into now, there's avenues for you to enjoy it and express it. And it's almost cool to express a weird thing. That's or a thing that's uh, atypical yeah. in the culture. Uh, and I think that like leads us into like, you know, I don't think it's a narrow fandom at all to be into Lynch. I think it's a really big umbrella too, where it goes a lot of different directions. Uh, I mean, I think your straight story and your uh, eraser head are are like the opposite movies. They're they're on total different ends of the spectrum here. Yeah, I mean, like Eraserhead, I remember I watched it when the DVD release came out, and again, the weirdos like me were like, "Oh my god, Eraserhead's out!" Because you could never rent it. You had to put down a a mass. I remember I tried to rent it once from Hollywood Video. If anybody remembers <laughs> that company, yeah. um. And he had to put down a hundred dollars deposit to watch it. And I'm like, I don't have a hundred dollars. I really have the two fifty to rent this movie. Yeah. So when it came out, you had to like adjust your TV to get like the right tone of this. It is a noir film when you think about it. It's a sci-fi noir film. And so you watch this and you don't quite know what is going on. Hmm. And that baby's really terrifying. Um the mom like straight up and splits and so i was just like yeah uh eraser head cool how come all the same guys that like you know a clockwork orange also like this movie and taxi driver like what is wrong with you men like yes i don't like this movie <laughs> you know it just so i always like had this like really odd because the fans were the part that scared me not the movie um so what re-watching eraser head on 4k on the big screen um was and then you find out why his name is why the title was Eraserhead, and then you're like, mm. oh right, I've completely blocked this out of my memory because 
that baby yeah that baby scared me so but yeah there was a there's a japanese couple that was behind us and Mm. they were doing a lot of uh, like real uncomfortable guttural noises were coming out yeah that must have been so uncomfortable for them yeah and they didn't move in the credits and i always tell people like you can tell it's a good movie when nobody moves when the credits go on they just kind of sit there it's like the witch i remember (laughs) the lights the witch and hereditary um the lights come on and everyone just kind of sits there in silence and like all right we're gonna see who the catering was all right you know so that's a terrifying those are two terrifying movies anybody i see that's like i just recently watched the witch like do you want to go to church we can go to church (laughs) so okay I'm Catholic, you know, we don't talk about it, but yeah, we can go to church if you want to, you know, just go (laughs) cleanse ourselves. Um, Excuse me. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, I guess we should get into our uh, film that we selected for today, which is also semi-noir. I'd say it's pretty noirish. Maybe a full noir. It is an it's it is considered a neo-noir based on that's my other love and joys noir films Mm. um, is I it is a noir film. It is a neo-noir, and it's also one of the few well-done biopic uh, noir movies. Especially like a biopic done, not like a hagiography. It's not like a just a celebration of a man, but it's uh, made with such a generous spirit and like a kindness toward uh, the bravery of this person. Um, I find it so touching too. And I don't find biopics usually touching the way that they're often designed for award mm-hmm. season usually puts me off a little bit. That's uh, why but... Selena is my favorite because it, yeah. it was never loved. It, it is love now. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, I can go get Selena shirts at Torrid now, but and target, but mm-hmm. when Selena passed away, like that was my icon. I mean, we, she just she's been dead for 30 years now yeah and i just recently found out the movie perfect blue the anime um was based off of selena and when i found that out my world just like atomic bomb style like my my like my head exploded like in scanners like i was like what (laughs) what that's fantastic <laughs> uh, which you know, people who haven't seen Perfect Blue, if you've seen Black Swan, you've seen Perfect Blue because that's yeah. a total complete ripoff, Absolutely. just like Paprika is into Inception. Um, but I am gonna Barbie hammer this weekend, so you know, there is that. So it's not like I'm ditching on Nolan, it's just kind of true. You haven't got um, there yet. Yeah, I have only done the Barbie part, I haven't even hammered yet. I'm not, you know. I mean, I've tried. They canceled my ticket, and oh. my first ticket, the AC was broken to the seventy millimeter at uh, the AMC. Then I got a um, IMAX ticket, and that was canceled. So, uh, no fault of my own that I'm missing. Yeah, maybe you uh, should Nolan. just go to SIF and watch it on thirty five. I mean, yeah, I think that would be the best option. Um, and I yeah. love SIF. I love to support them. I love doing the show about SIF. So. Yeah, I um, became a member to SIF during the Lynch filmography. I was just like, I'm just going to give you guys my money. Here you go. Sure. Here you go. Thank you. I'll take my five popcorns. You know, my favorite <laughs> commercial is the little SIF where they tell you to be a member. Mm-hmm. And so my friends and I, when, you, when you've seen the same commercials over and over, we were like, oh, who yeah. are you? And so like my boyfriend said, he's the Nos- he's the spaceman. And my friend's like, I'm the Nosferatu. And I was like, I'm the chicken. I don't know why, but I'm just the chicken, you know? So I love yeah. that SIF always has their land dedications also, but before their festivals and uh, every I like film. what they're about. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited for. I mean, Cinerama, they they they're not keeping the name because it wasn't in the process of them buying that theater. Oh, they're it's not. Be renamed. Yeah, no, I didn't Cinerama, know. Okay. None. So they uh, that was not the name is not part of the purchase. So and it's copywritten. So they're changing the name. So when they refer to Cinerama, okay. they're like the theater formerly known as Cinerama. So it's it's out there. Um, I'm just excited to have that theater back. I mean, it's so it's a beautiful stunning. space. Yeah. Yeah. All that Paul Allen money can't go to waste downtown. No, I mean, my favorite this is terrible to show you how to. <laughs> I mean, I'm a good person, but every now and then that darkness will come and get me. And it was like, it was this tweet was like, um, um, who was it? It was this tweet that I found on Black Twitter. And it was like, um, Who's the creator of Microsoft whose name is escaping me with Paul Bill Allen? Gates. Bill Gates. There you go. Mm -hmm. so, so we're going to get there. I'm sorry. It's a long walk, but we will get to that destination. And someone Absolutely. tweeted, Bill Gates said that the the earth was overpopulated and in the same week Paul Allen died. That's a homie. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> my goodness. Like, I shouldn't laugh. But then again, you know, he... I love that the positive out of it is like he dedicated his body to, to science so they could help sure. with the cancer that he had. I mean, he's it's probably why Jody is selling things and, you know, mm. respecting his will because he he had a lot of wealth and yeah, like, you know, wealthy people and their money grabbing, like, let's talk about that. But he is like, he just did the, the Allen Foundation just donated a bunch of the movie stuff that he had collected so mm. they don't want to oxygen it off. Like he's doing stuff in his post, you know, post life that yeah. are in a way is, is good. Like when Sif bought Cinerama, I was like, whoa, hello. <laughs> they did that at the start of this year's uh, Sif Festival. Their past yeah. lives was their opening film and they announced it right before and everyone went insane in that room. So that's that's fantastic. And what's crazy is I got invited twice to that party and I was like, nah, I shouldn't go. And I was like, damn it. Next time I get invited to something like that, I have to go. So I didn't go either. I sent one of our people, our friend Vaughn went uh, and, and loved past lives, which I still have to see. What is past lives? Which one is that one? Um, I'm thinking it's a good question. What past lives is? <laughs> I think, uh, I think I know what it is and I'm just not like, it's not in my brain. It's the um, what is it? Uh, what's her name? Celine Song, uh, the director. Uh, uh, it's about like childhood friends and how they explore their past through each other and their old relationships. Um, it's hard for me to come up with this. I need to go see the film. Obviously, uh, I, our friend I, Vaughn yeah. wrote an excellent review on thetwingeeks.com that people could go read. Yes, uh, I wish I could good. summarize it better. Yeah, I I've been hearing a lot of buzz about it. I once once baseball that is my first mistress is baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, once the Mariners, because we're not going to the playoffs, and and no. and if we do, I'm I'm eating. I'm I'm I'll eat this microphone. Um, just how I plan <laughs> my move to Seattle in the second week of October. Like we're not going to the playoffs. Oh boy, that was an interesting day to move. Is all I can say. Um, like the movers, like can, can we come early? Like uh, yes, yes, you can come early. <laughs> we know what you're doing. Um. But I I start once the nights get short longer is when I really start going into my I'm just gonna watch three movies before I go to bed kind of oh, yeah. attitude. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, well, once award season comes, they'll send us everything, and I'm just I'm in that mode. I won't stop. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, from September to December is just like 
cordoned off. Like, uh, I, I won't talk to anyone, but uh, that's if, you know, if the Mariners are out and then I get into my hockey season. Uh, yeah, which is the unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up watching the San Jose Sharks. I was part of okay. what they called the the brown wave was the you'd always like for the longest time, you could always before, you know, apps were a thing. Um, when I worked at a bar, I could always tell when the sharks were playing based off of the audience because it would just be a sea of Latinos, South Asians and Portuguese and Asian people in the audience because mm-hmm. that is, you know, there's San Jose has the highest Vietnamese population in California next to Orange County. Tuning with South Asians, they all live in, you know, they they moved there with the the tech boom that happened in the early 80s. And then, of course, you know, Mexicans have just always been there. The border crossed them. So it was always funny to see um, Latino night or like Portuguese night like happening. And then the NHL was there because they weren't used to though um like the nhl broadcasters they weren't used to seeing that much diversity mm. in hockey which was kind of like mm, maybe you should work on that guys um which, which they are like they said they have been since you know the late 80s but uh yeah you know, where's the diversity now uh, yeah it's in san jose uh yeah that's pretty much the diverse i mean san jose and i think the kings the la kings are the second most diverse fandom mm. um but, I imagine yeah. probably like Tampa now probably has quite a uh, no believe it or not it's still pretty, pretty white yeah. yeah it's pretty white I mean yeah. I don't see a lot of Cubans lining up um, fair um, I I think the Kraken have done a great job reaching out to different communities and, uh, uh, we'll see the audience is all white though when I go to the games so we need <laughs> yeah to um, I went to the playoff viewing party and that was the first time I could get into the arena because it's like impossible to get in. I mean, those tickets are harder than Seahawk tickets and I don't even like football. So the fact that I can, I would be like, I can, do you have Kraken tickets? No, I got Seahawk tickets. Like, well, I don't want that. Did I, did I ask for that? No, (laughs) Jerry Jones is a terrible man and Kaepernick should have never been 86, but that's just me being on my soapbox. But yes. And CTE is terrible. And yeah, Hamlin. Uh, uh, people ask me like, "Why don't you watch football?" Like, do you want the short version or the long version? Because I got two. You know. And it looks like uh, Eric Carlson from the Sharks might be up for trade. So maybe you know my former team, the Penguins, or or maybe the Kraken will be in the market. Um, you, you know, I'm I'm excited. I mean, it, I did think it was funny when the Sharks tried to create a rivalry with Seattle until they're like, wait, Vancouver's closer. We're out of this. Like, don't, don't do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, we keep trying with Vancouver, but you can't really force a rivalry. Like we need playoff experience and, you know, actual histories to be written. Um, Vancouver's just not good enough to, to rival us yet. Um, they're, yeah. they're just, uh, you know, a poor Northern team. Um, yeah. I mean, they, somebody, referred to, yeah, somebody referred to the Canucks as like, the hockey mariners and i understood what they meant <laughs> i was like i get it because yes. i was i was just in canada to see the cure and i met some really nice hockey fans and they're like have you been to a cracking game I'm like no it's actually easier for me to come see a game here at this arena than it is to go to the arena in seattle mm, and they yeah, were just like true. and they were just like yeah so you know they explained to me the history of, of the canucks and they mm. were just like we're just like the hockey mariners so i'm like oh i'm so sorry <laughs> like because is- they had that that out in like 94 where they were going to be like the next canadian team to win and then no canadian team has won since then and nope. they had that series with boston where they burnt their city down uh that was fun yeah uh, that was um that i watched that all from portland and i was just like why and, and i completely understand i mean i'm my my last name is very mexican it's actually mm-hmm. spanish but um 
It's Caballero for those of you who are still kind of like, what is her name? Um, <laughs> and so means gentleman, not cowboy. I, I had this conversation way more than once. Mm-hmm. And it was the big thing. I like people are like, I can't believe they're doing this. And I was just like, I don't think I understood what the Canadians were doing. I'm like, yeah, I mean, like Mexico almost set that country on fire when the penalty in the World Cup mm-hmm. was not a penalty against the Netherlands. Yeah. And then they celebrated when the Netherlands got booted out in the next, you know, you know, World Cup. So, I mean, I, I understand. <laughs> so. Yeah, but we should um, probably we should get back to elephant yeah. man somehow. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, See what I'm I mean? like, how can I do this? Uh, I'm like, I told you, I warned you, I am like a tangent queen. Do not give me an <laughs> open, don't give me an off ramp because I will take us into a highway. I'm enjoying it though, since we're both big baseball and uh hockey fit. First, how was the all star game before we get back to the elephant man? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, so <laughs> this is what my life was like. So I did David Lynch and then I walked right into the all stars. Um, so that was um intense as uh, the best way to describe it. I met some really cool people, like I got to meet Roberto Clemente's sons. Um, that was a lot of just um really just surprising and beautiful because I went up Mm. to the Roberto Clemente Foundation booth and I was just reading about Roberto Clemente and as a Latinx woman, Roberto Clemente is like the tío or abuelito of Latinx baseball. Mm. He's the whole reason why a lot of Latinx players are in the league is because he was like he was our collar bear. He was like, he was, he wasn't even a collar bear. He was just somebody that really wanted to bring in Latin American players and he would like host them at his home in Puerto mm. Rico. I mean, he died delivering aid to another country. Mm. So he is like a very, I mean, there's the Roberto Clemente Award of humanitarian. Great. So I I was just reading and I had this really big hat on. Um, I love big hats. And so I <laughs> didn't know who I was talking to. I just could mm-hmm. see them, but they weren't in my eye line. And then they start opening up this thing and they're autographing it for me and then i'm like oh are you guys the presidents are you like veterans as well because that was another thing is like you know roberto clemente um was in the marines and right. they were just like oh you don't know i'm like i'm sorry and they're like let me introduce myself i'm sorry i'm roberto clemente jr and i'm luis clemente his other son and oh, cool. i freaked out <laughs> it was not good and yet good at the same time um, and, and then um, I volunteer for the Mariners. I sell raffle tickets and it's cool. to, you know, help. So I got to meet actually one of the charities that we work with. So that was a lot of fun. Um, when Julio Rodriguez did his home run derby, everybody Incredible. was in their, oh, was, everybody was in their seats and I was actually volunteering. So I was in the, in the, um, in the pathways, I was in, in, in the seats, people that were in line for beers, like just left to go sit down and yeah. watch the 41 home runs that he delivered. Um, And then we, the all-star game was kind of fun because the trash shows still get food to this day. Love you Mm -hmm. fans. Uh, So anything that could get the, um, the MLB fans United is booing Manfred and booing Houston. And yeah, we're all anti-Houston. Oh man. Yeah. If you're into baseball as much as I think we are, then I think it's a default. As long as you're not from Houston, that's they're your sworn enemy. Yes, yes. And and, and Kyle Tucker, God bless him, when he was going to be the potential final out for the American League, because uh, by this time I was off my shift so I could go sit down and enjoy the game mm-hmm. with my boyfriend and his dad. Um, 
people were booing him and then somebody was like no we need him so when the couch started getting you know up people started cheering for him so it was really funny <laughs> to hear this like, boo oh yay yay you know perfect um yeah arosa reina was wonderful to kind of see um eldis garcia was fun to just like like if just as a if you're a Ranger fan, just know you're lucky to have him in the outfield because mm -hmm. every time he comes to Seattle, he just kills us. He just takes the home runs away. Um, yeah. And then Uruz Arena, uh, the fact that he they call him El Hijo de Mexico, meaning the son of Mexico, because mm. he was a Cuban defector and he wrote to the president of Mexico and on Instagram and said, hey, I want to play for your team for the World Baseball Classic. So he was sworn in as a Mexican citizen, handed his passport, and then handed his Mexican jersey, and off he went to go play for Team Mexico. So um, so it was fun to see him kind of out in the outfield during practice. But yeah, it was a lot. Um, so during the Home Run Derby, there was a lot of testosterone would be the best way to describe it. Mm. A lot of aggression was in the air. Um, the the outfield and anything beyond the fly, uh, fly, um, foul pole, sorry, was just, just think hungry wolves were out there. <laughs> and then the home, the all-star game, a lot more lighter. It, it, like, yeah, it's like nobody, the beginning of Blue worried. Velvet. Yeah, it's the beginning of Blue Velvet. Everything's happy. Firemen are waving. Um, <laughs> welcome to a lot of eight. Once Julio set a record, I think it was on. I think everyone was ignited in a, yeah. in a way that can make it pretty testosterone filled in there. Just even leading up to it, it was like, yeah. like just like a lot of screaming, a lot of just like, and and I was selling raffle tickets at an entry point, and there was that one point where I'm like, okay, we need to just walk away and like step away from this for like ten minutes. Like this mm. is wow <laughs> like but it was great to see t-mobile you know full to the and meeting other fans and yeah i yeah i i i did meet manfred you know and uh i'm taller than him and when he said hello to me i just said welcome to seattle and walked away <laughs> so i'm very proud <laughs> okay. of that my dad likes like my dad's like if i could put, pinch your cheek i would i'm so proud of you um so yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so I had a very intense couple of weeks because we've been trying to schedule this. I'm like, oh, I'm real busy. I'm sorry. Like Lynch just finished and now I'm in all-star games and you know, I just, it's. Oh, I always have these banked up anyway. So like whenever you <laughs> do have time, we can always make an episode. Oh yeah. Work. I'm totally can, good. Um, yeah. But okay. So we should just talk about elephant man. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the elephant ears at the stadium, I don't know how to get back. How do we do this? Uh, um, uh so here's the Movies. fun part about Elephant Man that I learned was the makeup category for the Oscars was created because of this movie. Yeah. Because John, her performance, like you forget that he is, that is him. You forget yeah. that, you know, you, you see why Anthony Hopkins has the Oscar that he has, or actually mm -hmm. has two Oscars now, but you understand why Anthony Hopkins is just a beloved actor. Um, but John Hurt, like his performance, you, he just he loses himself. And he actually told Lynch, like, don't reveal who I am. Like, don't do it yet. Also, oh. the costume wasn't ready. The makeup wasn't ready. So they're like, we, we can't show this off right now. Um, and the fact that Lynch listened and Lynch was like, OK, we'll wait. We'll wait. Well, when the nurse sees him, her reaction is going to be the audience's reaction at the same time. Mm -hmm. So when... 
when they position him, that was the first time on set people were looking at him. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. And it's like a, so much better when you keep the face wrapped because then you're thinking about it, but you also already see, I think, what you're going to think of this person. You've already kind of made up some image in your head where um, you're you're kind of already decided about how you feel about them. And I think that's very interesting to withhold and have the audience play with their own prejudices or beliefs. Um, I love deformity in movies. It's something that I'm just uh, passionate about. feels like the wrong word, but I feel so inspired when I see it. I feel love in some way. Uh, I, I When I see people who are very different on screen, I just feel so enamored and uh, grateful for them for being that brave. Um, and I think about like under the skin, like the uh, deformed man in there. Uh, we follow each other on Twitter and stuff and we, we talk and all that, but it's a, uh, and chained for life is another one he did. Um, I just, I'm so encouraged when people have that much bravery and could show that part of themselves. I mean, uh, that's actual deformity. I, I also don't mind, you know, when, when you're acting it out, I, I think it's okay in this case. I don't think you had to get, uh, I think uh, only 100 people in the world, like, uh, I think possibly ever had this elephantitis condition or whatever it is called. Oh, he had all kinds of All kinds issues. of conditions. Mm -hmm. that... Like his spine, like his head was too heavy. Uh, the part that I forgot about Lynch is the opening of it, which is you see the elephant and then you kind of see the mom and mm. this kind of like, it looks like she's being attacked by these elephants. But then the way Lynch films this movie showing Victorian era England, you know, pre, you know, pre World War One, pre modern, you know, during the industrial boom, it's you see the effects of pollution. Mm. You see the effects of like soot on the windows. You see the effects of alcoholism taking a hold of the country. You see, you know, these freak shows. Um, in how, you know, Mr. Merrick was abused and then the rich start using him as their own personal freak show when they go to have their tea with him and they're kind of laughing and they're kind of scared and the hospital is ready to kick him out and the nurse is like telling, um, you know, Anthony Hopkins' character, um, his name, it's Dr. Um, I forgot what his name is in the movie, but they tell him, you know, it, it, they're just here to laugh at him. And the nurse that originally wanted to kick him out, like, is the one that's protecting him. Like, you can't let these people do this to him. Mm. And the only, you know, true, genuine friend that he made besides was the 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 actress, the one that does that special performance. And you start, I, I'm sorry for people who've never seen this movie, but we're going to go all over the place on this one. Of course. Um, so like the part that got me and I wasn't quite anticipating it because I cried so hard at the end oh, was yeah. when Adagio for Strings, which was before this is 1980. So way before Platoon, um, mm. Adagio Strings by Barber is playing. And that's when he I mean, all all Mr. All, what he wants is well, all Merrick wants is he just wants to be normal. He wants to be healed. And, mm. you know, they're like, no we can't heal you know you'll never be quote-unquote normal but we'll make you comfortable mm. and so when the the queen arrives or the princess of Wales arrives with her british queen english 
And she's just like, we'll pay for the room. We'll pay for everything. But you need to keep him and keep him away from being abused because this is after he was rescued or this is right before he gets kidnapped again. Mm -hmm. And so when he comes back, he's more ill and they know he's going to die soon. So I don't know if he knew that like, okay, I'm probably like, this is going to be it. So why don't I just go out in on an, on a happy, you know, on the happiest day of my life where he got to go to the theater, he got a dedication. He was accepted by society. He's sitting in the queen's box. He's, you know, he, you know, just, just him taking the pillows and then lying down because he knows once I do this, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm never going to wake up and God, I'm going to cry again, just mm. thinking about it. And it just hit me in such a way that just, I just, busted out crying like my friend had to go get me water because i was like i i just couldn't handle it and oh, it's I a just, beautiful thing it's a beautiful moment in film and you go you fucking bastard from the academy how did you not give this movie one goddamn oscar like how dare you um and just did it not it, even win the makeup no it, award it, that it got it... nominated for eight and lost for eight yeah it, the one that it, it created it didn't win well no after the fact of... After the fact, they were like, no, we need to make a makeup category. Okay, I see. That makes so, sense. Yeah. So that's that's why it was created. Um, was because they were like, No, this is why you need a makeup category, which mm. is true. You you do need makeup and costume, but yeah, it's um oh my god, I can't believe I'm crying and just thinking about it. It's just it's so beautiful, and especially in a world where I mean my I know people who had to say goodbye to family members during COVID via Zoom. Mm. I know people who's, you know, their friends, they were like, oh, he was fine. And you know, like COVID killed more people than we want to admit. And so you're watching this film and you see Merrick die and he sees his mother. Because that was his only possession too. We only had that photo of his mother. Um, and so, you know, that's that's the only thing that the tramp didn't take from him, his right. handler was like this beautiful photo of his mother. And so he he knew how to read, he knew how to speak, he knew how to, you know, do these things, but because he was treated like an animal, he didn't want to tell people he knew how to speak. And so, you know, Anthony Hopkins is doing such a good job of, you know, okay, let me teach you the Lord's Prayer. And unbeknownst to, you know, him, he, he didn't factor in like, oh, wait, maybe he can speak. Mm -hmm. I just didn't give him that opportunity. So yeah, it's Elephant Man. the The remaster is gorgeous. It's stunning. I I just recently bought that the movie, the physical copy. Um, mm. It's on Criterion Channel right now. Um, because it's just it's a gorgeous film, and just the way he films the pollution and the way he created this, you know, London, you know, pre you know industrial London, the costuming. And it's in black and white. And you're right. It's an it's an it's an it's a modern noir. And it and starts like surrealist, like in the couple first minutes, it almost feels like it'll be a Lynchian film until it becomes something like a Victorian like set uh film in London. Almost feels like an English film with its kind yeah, of it feels like a BBC. And its soft focus and yeah. A hard noir though, hard of the lines. Yeah. You can and, see the noirishness of it. Oh, and it's just it's the amount of the way also people accept him like mm. i mentioned the nurse like the nurse when merrick is first hidden in that in the in the polio wing 
she's like, I can't have that here. That guy needs to go. <laughs> or the nurses that were afraid of him. And then when they're, you know, borrowing dresses from the actress that's having their night and they're like, oh, it's so nice of her for us to let us, you know, wear her fancy clothes. And mm. then one of them goes like, does she know he's sick? And yeah. they kind of look at each other and like, yeah, she's she knows. And that's probably why she's doing this for him. And so he gets accepted by society. I mean, the part where I was you know i always tell people like <laughs> when i watch a suspense scene i want to feel like i have somebody like that's ready to choke me but not choke me like you know that right. that pressure in your throat the yeah. scene where he's in the bathroom and they're trying to kidnap him and beat him up and he's just like he says like i'm not an animal i'm a human and the cops find him and they're like oh good we've been looking for you like come here and it's just it shows the mom mentality but also like, oh, he's deformed, so we have to make him feel less than. Or he's, you know, this scary man with one foot that he can barely walk in. So we're going to, you know, because a little girl screamed when she saw him, we we have to go and beat him up in the toilets. And public toilets in the 18th century did not look that clean. Um, So he, you know, Merrick is like screaming in agony and just like, please let me go. And the cops, you know, you know, for once they, they did something, they rescued him. And in the hospital when they're like, he's back and everybody just bolts to the door to rescue him and clean him and bathe him and take care of him. And also at the same time, Anthony Hopkins has like beat the living shit out of the night watchman. Like he was going to kill him had he not walked in on, you know, the, the other people seeing Anthony Hopkins, like beat the living hell out of this like night watchman who was no different than the tramp that used people being afraid of him as somebody to manipulate and abuse Mr. Merrick. I think a lot about um, the face of another uh, Japanese film, Hiroshi Terika, um, mm -hmm. about a uh, man with the disfigured face. Uh, it's from the 60s, I think, and it's kind of in the same mode of of uh, him trying to go to a doctor. and um, But the master's like altering his personality. And I think about that, what our um personhood does how we represent ourselves affects ourselves and how we present ourselves to the world and how you know merrick uh as an act of bravery almost seems like in some way he is giving all of these other people their own hope too uh, that's what he gives me anyway when i'm watching john hurt's performance i i feel so inspired and compassionate because I think Lynch does. I think that's how he feels about Merrick and his situation. Is that he's kind of like a a hero in how he lives. And this is another thing I found out when I was like re I, I watched like a, a a little like behind the scenes. This movie was produced by Mel Brooks under a pseudonym <laughs> because Mel Brooks loved the story, but he knew he could not make this movie because people right. would assume it would be a comedy. So he found David Lynch. Somebody found David Lynch and Mel Brooks said, yeah, you can do this movie. Um, so and that's the, why he went by a pseudonym too, right? Because yeah, he didn't want people to think it was a comedy. Yeah, he, I mean, and, I mean, Mel Brooks almost lost his house producing solar babies. So, I mean, sure. I mean, Mel yeah. Brooks loves film. I, I love him. Yeah. And I'm, I count the days that he's alive. I mean, he's, I always tease people. I'm like, he's like my film grandpa and he's everybody's film grandpa. I mean, young Frankenstein, I mean, just the movies like that. And so 
the fact that Mel Brooks was like, here's a blank check. Go make me my movie. Mm -hmm. And he told Lynch that and Lynch was like, okay. And <laughs> Brooks would show up on set and give advice. And Lynch was like, okay. So he yeah. was, he was very much learning at the same time, setting his, you know, setting the tones to his movie, like the way when the movie ends and you see the globe and you see the mother essentially welcoming Merrick into heaven and you know her voice is very echoey and very booming and just like it's almost like she's saying a prayer to Merrick like you know you've come back hmm. and and then the movie you know you just look at the stars uh Lynch loves the sky a lot too he loves he loves sunsets he loves landscapes and he loves the road and hallways and so you see her image in the way like they almost film her like she's a portrait and then she's mm. a portrait that comes to life and as somebody who has and i've mentioned this before i i have it my, my mother's been dead for 20 plus years and she lives you know she she lives with my dad her ashes live with my dad and his wife mm. it's a funny subject i always tease myself i'm like how do you let the first wife still live here i would have kicked her ass out um mm. But just, you know, I, I only have these like few photographs of my mother before she yeah. died and I'm starting to become her. I've actually eclipsed her in age. That was weird. Um, and so I, I want, you know, I just, it made me think a lot of like, well, what, what is the afterlife? You know, if you believe in that, like, is it going to be my mother that welcomes me or is it going to be my, my, my grandmother that I didn't like, like what's the after, like, what image am I going to see him? Am I going to, you know, go to sleep or, you know, am I going to end in this like horrible death, like Bobby Peru and Wild at Heart, like losing my head. And but it just out of all of his movies, Elephant Man seems to be the most compassionate one of his films because mm. he. Oh, interesting. I, he, I might have another choice, but that's interesting. Because he the way he he, he shows how the monster isn't Merrick. The monster yeah. is the carnival Absolutely. owner. The monster are the men in the bathroom. The monster is the 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 hospital board that wants to kick him out because he's costing them money. Mm. And it isn't until the queen is like, here's check, here's money, shut up. That, you know, it, it also shows like the lack of compassion and humanity. Like these are upper class Europe, you know, English people. And they want to spit on Merrick. Right. No different than the the drunk people from the pub that are paying, you know, a, 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 I forgot if it was like, I forgot how much money, like essentially like a dollar to, you know, see and laugh and poke fun at him. So what's the difference? Like, so you see him every day and you're still like sneering your upper lip at him and laughing at him behind your, behind his back or are you just no different than the psychopaths that are paying a dollar and trying to kiss him and pour liquor down his back and down his mouth and forcing him to drink. And there's no difference. Like you guys are both just human monsters that are garbage people. So Lynch really does a good job in making you feel like when, when Merrick is getting attacked in his room by these people, I was terrified. And I was just like, where, yeah, where I feel it where, too. Yeah, it's like, why are you, how could you allow this? And and the little boy goes and tells Anthony Hopkins, like, no, it was him. He did it. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and the boy and his relationship and his report back to Hopkins and how that kind of initiates what happens here. 
Yeah. And then when he's in France and Merrick is getting abused and he's sick. And then the other, you know, quote unquote freaks, like, you know, the, the, the characters of the circus, they're like, okay, you know what? So we're going to collect all our money. And after he's been beaten and put in a cage, like we're going to collect all our money and you, you need to go home. And you can see that they've sold items. It's very, it's very similar to La Boheme. I don't know if you've listened to that opera. That's my other love. Um, in La Boheme, they, you know, different characters in the in the opera start selling their items to try and afford a doctor for Mimi, even though she's like on death's bed. Hmm. And so they, you know, they 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 do this out of their love because, you know, she, they want to make her comfortable. They know she's going to die, but they just want to make her comfortable. And that's what these, you know, these circus freaks, quote unquote, are doing is they they gave up their earthly possessions to send John home because they knew he needed to get home, which was England and London specifically. And so he had to travel via train and via boat so they he could make it safely back to the hospital where he could pass it, you know, be comfortable for his final weeks. And so, you know, that was, you know, the way they they lock up his, you know, the the tramp in the in the wagon just to make sure you know he cannot harm him and they escort him until he's on the boat and they have to give more money to the boat captain because he's so afraid of john and like no no no, you have to take him away he can't be here anymore so i mean that's that's the part that makes it so compassionate is like you really see like who's the bigger monster is it these people that you go and pay a dollar to go laugh at the tiniest woman or the bearded woman or, you know, the the young, you know, little person, or am I the monster because I paid money at this person's suffering, at this person's deformity? Their deformity is my entertainment. So mm. it really just starts playing into that psyche. Like, I don't know, I feel like Charles Jung, um, he's a he's a he's a someone I had to study my humanities degree. He'd really have a lot of fun with this movie because he's somebody that would have to like break down at what point does society start to collapse within right. itself yeah and you could see it here you could see in the even their reactions to him their faces and their and what does it mean yeah uh, is it a functioning society if not everyone can live in it and mm -hmm. if we're laughing at them does that also mean we're laughing at uh you know the people who who create are we laughing at god if we laugh at his deformities it's kind of something i think about like are we are we mocking him? Are we mocking ourselves? Yeah, it's it's very, yeah, it's Elephant Man. Like, I think I told you when you asked me, like, what's the movie that's shaking you the most? Like, Elephant Man, <laughs> not Eraserhead. Yeah. Like, that was a walk in the park. I mean, that's why I think we had to do this and why I wanted to uh, bring you on here to kind of talk about what's going on. Because I don't think it was the obvious choice to me. It wasn't the Lynch film I was thinking of. Uh, so it's I mean, always Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. By the way, that's oh, what I'm actually, always thinking about all the time. I saw Elephant Man and Twin Peaks on the same night, so that right. was a who. Um, I also got to meet an actress. I don't know if I told you. Um, she was sitting in the audience. She was the giggling secretary. Okay. Um, her name is Lizzie, and um, I. So like you know, you had like an hour in between, an hour mm. and a half sometimes. So I would like go to the bar, you know, hang out with other Lynch fans outside because it was still sunny and kind of like warm. And uh, mm. it was also Pride, so it was really good people watching. You know, a lot of cute, right. you know, a lot of cute shirts. You know, I'm gay, my mom 
is gay, you know, that kind of stuff. Or like my son's gay. I love my gay son. You know, that, that kind of like support allyship or just like, you know, just couples being adorable. Yeah. Um, And so I, I was just outside talking with people and just like cleaning myself up because I was so still moved by um elephant man and this really sweet gay boy goes like baby he's not worth it i'm like no it's a movie like i'm really sorry like <laughs> that's how much of a mess i was Beautiful. after the movie. yeah and so um and so it's just it's it is the surprising you're right it was it's it's it does surprise a lot of people and they're like oh you watch all the david lynch films which one's your favorite i'm like elephant man like what that's not what i expected <laughs> i mean <laughs> I, so watching Fire Walk with me, and I hadn't seen that movie in fifteen years. Yeah, it's the one that improves every single time for me. Whereas, oh I, my gosh, I started like I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. This is just an oddity. I don't know. I'm watching it because I watch Twin Peaks all the time, and now I'm like, oh, it's my favorite thing David Lynch ever made. It's so compassionate. That would be my my choice for the most compassionate movie. Well, he. It it is in the sense that, you know, he made that movie because he fell in love with Laura Palmer. He fell in love right. with the character. He fell in love with Cheryl Lynn, who made the, you know, who created Laura. I mean, she was supposed to just be this dead girl. He was the, she was right. going to be the dead blonde. And in the process just made her come to life. And Lynch was like, okay, uh, which is why I love him. And um, mm. he has the things for blondes. If you haven't noticed, it's 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 Laura Dern. It's you know, of course Naomi Watts. <laughs> um, so he he loves his blondes, but he he also what makes when you watch Twin Peaks after so Twin Peaks actually that movie was my first interaction with Twin Peaks. That's because, hard to do. Well, it is also hard, but it was also the only way you could, ex- you know, you could access Twin Peaks because this mm-hmm. isn't the day of streaming. Like, yeah, I, I mentioned this earlier. I had to rent VHSs from Clinton Street Video in Portland, RIP. And you only got two episodes per VHS and they were three bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. So it took me a year and a half to watch all of season one and season two. Yeah. And I didn't even get to see the pilot until the first initial DVD release. I feel so, very lucky that I got to see the pilot so many times. Yeah. And and I watched the pilot places. on, on, on Twin Peaks day. And it was shocking when you remember, you might have to remind yourself like this was on ABC at nine o'clock. <laughs> It's totally disruptive of anything that ever happened on television. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, so I've, you know, I've watched Elephant Man. I'm sitting through Twin Peaks and then, you know, Chris Isaac's character walks in and I notice people to the left of me start clapping Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Because I'm still recovering from, from. Elephant, Elephant Man, man. Yeah. and I know how this movie's gonna end, so I'm like, I'm not gonna have a good night tonight. That's like, a bad this, night, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is not good. Like, I whispered to my boyfriend, like, I'm gonna need chin when we're out of here. Um, <laughs> and so, um, so then I know, like, they were kind of like sat, like, so there was like two rows of people, and so then she like has her line, and then she's giggling, and then Chris Isaac goes and beats up the coffee maker. And then she turns to the side and she's like, oh, thank you. And the couple next to me, 
was like, I think that's her. I think that that's her. So you watch the whole movie. And then again, Twin Peaks is one of those you kind of have to sit through the credits because, of course. oh boy. You're not <laughs> getting mean, up for it. Yeah, for that, at that least one, you just, minutes, yeah. I mean, the scene where she's like, again, you hear this, you know, very, you know, choral Catholic, you know, chorus being played. And she's like, looks at the way she looks at Agent Cooper. And she's just like, yep, I'm dead. And then just starts laughing and crying because like, I'm free. I'm here. I'm, you know, just it's there's a lot. And so then her name comes up in the credit and then they like this group of people claps again. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that is her. (laughs) And so then I go use the bathroom because, again, I've just ruined my mascara and my eyeliner because I just couldn't handle another David Lynch movie without making me cry. I can't get through this one either, to be fair. This one, uh, it moves me so much. Yeah, it's oh, my gosh, that scene where like right before like it's shot like a horror movie too where she puts on the ring and the flashes and then you see the pov of her getting wrapped in plastic and oh it's just it's just it's so much to process because you he's like you called me bob i thought you knew it was me i'm like you fucking freak get away from her (laughs) like right so so i'm like leaving and then the bathroom and then i bump into her and she's a lot shorter than me and i'm five five so just imagine how much shorter she is and then I'm like, hey, I just realized who you are and you look amazing. Like you, you look the oh. same, like you should be going to in Peaks conventions. And she's just like, oh, David is just a very sweet man. I was like, can you tell me something that you'll never forget about being on set with David Lynch? And she's like, yeah, anytime you get frustrated, he just go look at the mountain ranges. I'm like, what? Hmm. She's like, yeah, anytime you need a break, he'd smoke a cigarette and stare at a tree. I'm like that sounds exactly what i wanted to hear so i took a picture with her and i'm just like this big person next to a little person um and told her thank you and i'm like you look amazing and i honestly like your character makes me giggle every time until chris isaac starts you know knocking heads around and then you know you and then she also has an extended scene in the missing pieces the extended cut Mm. um she has she has a longer scene there and again she does the same thing she's kind of giggling and yeah i can picture her yeah yeah she has like a plaid skirt um mm. all the women in twin peaks all dress like secretaries from the 80s on they do <laughs> yeah it's like when stranger things came out and people were like i can't believe people dress like that like you must be young or kids who <laughs> didn't understand like i can't believe they just like left and their parents let them like that's what a latchkey key was is you come home when it was dark like yeah oh yeah i'm gonna be at so-and-so's house all right cool i'll see you tuesday you know <laughs> i think about this as we design my daughter's summer every single day of it how uh i was just put out on my bike then i came home when the street lights came on effectively when yeah. they went off so. yeah yeah, it's 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 a different world. Like I see kids like by themselves at the playground where I live. I'm like, where the fuck are their parents? I know. I feel nervous now. I'm like, what it. is going on? Is this bait? Who's that guy at the bench? You know, oh, that's his grandpa. <laughs> Oof, okay. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Just I mean, it's just a different world. Or, you know, the part that got me was like Laura Palmer's just like doing massive lines of coke and then going to bed. And I'm like, honey, that's an upper. Like, you don't go to bed after doing coke. I've never I've done lived cocaine. that life. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I'm just like maybe, I've been there. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a it's you know, or the part that gets me in Twin Peaks Firewalk with me is is when he like when Leland Palmer walks in and 
screams at Laura because she's wearing a necklace and her hands aren't clean. And, you know, he's looking at her nail and that's where he puts, you know, the, the initial in that specific nail. Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed that this time watching it, um, on the big screen and I'm just like, Oh my God, that's when he's decided to kill her. That's, that's it. That was the point because she, you know, she, she, she broke the seal of being, you know, daddy's little girl to, you know, being daddy's little whore in the bedroom at night when he would, you know, drug his wife so he could go rape his daughter. Right. Real bad trigger warning on this one, guys. I'm really yeah. sorry. But if you've, if you've seen Twin Peaks, you know, this is, this is the reality is it's a story of incest and mm. a story of murder. And so when Laura and Donna go to the pink room, um, it's, it's, disgusting to see uh just how they are the women are just buffeted around mm. and you know i forget like who's the jack renault he's just like he grabs her and and um lynette i think is her name no ronette sorry Ronette. and just like oh yeah let me get in between this high school sandwich and you're just like you're a fucking pig mm. and you know just Teresa, you know, the 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 time between Teresa and Leland. And he's like, Oh, you look like my Laura. And it's a throwaway line, but when you hear it again, you're just like, Oh my God, I need a shower. Like this is disgusting. Um, but you, I mean, it is a Lynch did such a beautiful job. Like I always tell people, like Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, that's Laura's eulogy. That is Laura's, yeah. that is Laura's, you know, swan song and her death rattle. And you get both, but that end where she's with Agent Cooper and she, the, the blue light falls on her and the angel and just her crying. And she's in this like art deco set and the Julie Cruz kicks up and just, yeah, <laughs> I, I did not have a good night. <laughs> like that, that night you saw me, like if you would have picked me up, you're like, how are you? I'm like, I'm doing terrible. I just want to hug. I want to <laughs> hug people. And I wish I could call oh. my mom. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I was just not having a good night. I feel like yeah. that's almost the separate podcast. That's probably like my big one that I'm nervous to do because I have so many feelings about it. Yeah. I mean, Maybe that's I, like a two hour show. Itself. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, we've been going at it for almost two right now. But I right. mean, like I also saw like so my favorite two David Lynch films, because I go back and forth on which one's my favorite is um, Wild at Heart and Lost Highway. Interesting. Those are an interesting two. There's Lost, no wrong answers. Yeah. And then, of course, like, you know, his my his classic of all time. I'm as Mulholland Drive. Mm. Inland Empire was a movie that I just recently got into a better relationship for it. I watched it opening night. And this is the first time we're watching a film that was shot on a, a digicam. Mm. And it looked like shit. And it yeah. still looks terrible. <laughs> but it looks a lot better. Um, I was with my ex-husband. And we were engaged. And he hated the movie. He fell asleep. He got mad at me. Oh. I, a lot of people again this is like the precursor to episode eight like mm -hmm. you you either loved it or you hate it and i just didn't understand it i I, have, I love it but i think i i fall on this side with pretty much everything lynch has done 
Yeah, I, but I Inland Empire is one of those movies that you need to watch multiple times so you can start is. understanding it. Because I only watched it once, and that was my only experience. And I was like, "What is going on?" Like well, the part that maybe gets... not, maybe not, because like my approach with Lynch isn't understanding. I don't try to understand him, maybe, or I think he'd be worried if I tried to understand. I'm not sure if I approach it I, that way. Lynch. Someone described Lynch when I was talking to people in the lobby. Lynch is a Warshack trust and yeah. he is what you want him to be. Exactly. And, and I was like, oh, yeah. I get it. And they also talk about this in Lynch and Oz. It's like, you're not supposed to understand him. You're supposed to interpret him. There you which, go. That's which as someone that works in law is like, yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> like, like, you want to talk about interpretation of law. Let's talk about the Second Amendment, hmm. um, you know, or freedom of speech. Like, oh, yeah, uh, freedom of speech, but not a well-regulated filmography. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, what would be the Ten Commandments or the Bill of Rights of David Lynch films? So he... Next episode, we'll figure that yeah, exactly. out. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that. Homework for yeah. coming attractions. That's that's a good episode. To have. The Ten Commandments of David Lynch could be... Or like the a, Bill of Rights like... of Ten, you know, of David yeah. Lynch. Yeah. Cool. Um, or you could just do, like, my favorite part about Lynch and Oz was the little, like, you know, the truth and the little, every single, you know, voiceover. Because that style of documentary got famous with the documentary of Amy. Mm. You don't hear the person talking or you hear the person talking. You don't see them and you just see imagery. No talking heads, just images just, and, and just like images. collected yeah. materials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah the, if you haven't seen the Amy Winehouse documentary, it so will. Good. Oh my God. <laughs> I was, I went to a 21 and over showing and when they're like, and the alcoholism is what honestly destroyed them. And everyone just kind of pushed their drinks to the side, like, whoop, and yeah. I'm sober. It's um, affecting <laughs> that way. Yeah. Uh, so what I loved about Lynch and Oz is like, you could do, you know, the color red or my favorite, honestly, was John Waters when he talks about Baltimore being the white trashiest city in America, the big white trash city John of America Waters. with shiny buildings. And you see David Lynch with his, Woody Woodpeckers that he got from a gas station and he's <laughs> making this promo because John Waters told everyone to go watch Eraserhead, which launched, you know, really became the cult following, you know, John Waters has a cult following as well as David Lynch, but John Waters gave that kiss, you know, on the forehead to David and was like, hey, come check out this guy. He's a freak like us. And it's like, all right, let's go check out this freak. And it was <laughs> shown in the same theater as El Topo, you know, just like stuff like that. Yeah, it's such a good documentary, and I, I think I covered it Sundance. Um, but I, I probably need to get going here. I've, okay. I've got a bit of a cold for my daughter. Oh and, no, uh, I know, and I'm she's just so... grateful that you were able to fill in so much here. Oh yeah, and if you ever need me to come back, like definitely, like I hope you genuinely. Edit this <laughs> I want you to come back whenever you think. And I'm not editing very much. Uh, oh no! All right, I well, love edit the run on. <laughs> So I'll do enough. Uh, I'll, do, oh, I'll edit enough, but I think what you've added is uh, so worthwhile that I'm just really grateful. No, thank you. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm the most lazy, terrifying podcaster there is. I love coming <laughs> into other people's houses and, you know, like in the Frank booth, like I'll bring you some beer and I want you to sing me candy clone clown and just, yeah, well, I, you're not yeah, going to start your own party, but you'll always bring your own beer. And that's yeah, why we exactly. want to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a bottle of whiskey or gin, one of the two. You know, yes. I always come. I'm, I'm also a senora. You know, like I'm, you're either going to leave my house, you know, not hungry, or I'm going to send you home with a plate. That's how it works. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Perla. And we're, we'll definitely do more here. So I'm excited. Yes. 
Thank you so much. And then uh, you asked me to give a plug. Give your plug, yeah. Yes, Whatever so you'd you like. guys can follow me on Instagram at pxcaballero. That's P-X-C-A-B as in boy, A-L-L-E-R-O. Um, you can see what movies I'm watching, what movies I did go watch, my cute little dogs, Zorro and Coco Chanel, that have been very quiet for mommy. Thank you, doggies. Um, or you can see just me being silly. I mean, I don't know. Instagram to me is my way of just sharing my art. Like I'm sure mm. you've seen the dinosaur reel I made the other day. Yeah, I mean, that's that, cool. It took me 30 minutes, but grandma figured it out, you know, <laughs> just, but yeah, that was me and Raleigh. Um, I have this dinosaur named Shep that I got from oral surgery. Um, and so I just woke up with this dinosaur and I was like, Oh, this drugs are killer. Um, take care of your teeth guys. Um, <laughs> and so I've just always, I just always put them in my purse when I travel. So when I went to see the museum of natural history in North Carolina, and then after seeing Jim Crow and all that, I was like, Oh man, I need an upper, you know, I need to go be happy. So I went and saw dinosaurs and then went and watched the rest of the museum. So Yeah. <laughs> And I also saw you just saw The Long Goodbye, which is another thing that I think we're doing in the oh, next month. Oh, yeah. So. so I've read the book, too. I've read, like, yeah. that is my genre, is, like, noir and detective novels. Like, I love, like, hard-boiled detective, because there's a few things that are always going to happen. There's always going to be a murder. There's always going to be sex, and someone's going to get it in the end. Well, Perla, I think we have so much overlap <laughs> that uh, whenever I have a gap, please, please come yes. back. I, I yes. enjoy that very much. Yeah, so you can just have me as like your honorary host for like, and these are the Perla doctrines, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fun to me. Thank you okay. so much. Have a Thank good night. Thank you and have a good night. Bye-bye. conversations and I post them online for entertainment it's nice to know at least you listen to the show because it's quite the possibility that nobody is listening to me in this modern world things have changed everybody's entertaining who's being entertained thank you for listening Mine out of all the voices.